What's up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by 120 Power Star Rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 147 are open. This week on the show, we're talking about Min Min coming to Super Smash Bros., and a very exciting shareholders meeting Nintendo had the other day. Absolutely f- a thrilling time. Can't wait to talk about it. And to discuss all that is my best mate, the delightful Bryce DeWitt. Bryce, how you going, mate? G'day, my friend. Yeah, so you're you're actually um coming in remotely to the house of Mario yeah. this week. Yeah, I've I've not had a lot of sleep, so I'm kind of injecting myself with coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we, we've all been there before. I don't like coffee, so usually for me, it's like, all right, I'm going to get an energy drink. Um, but they're really they're not good for you, so I try to avoid that whenever possible. Yeah, no, we're both shifting over to G Fuel soon to try and get something <laughs> a bit different. <laughs> we've been probably we've both been influenced by uh, um, separate entities on the internet, um, which is kind of funny. I mean, <laughs> we have, but I mean, hopefully, it's a better option than you know. Just slamming down those energy drinks, which, you know, we're both guilty of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, back in high school, I used to uh, slam them down you know, pretty regularly, especially in year 12, coming up to exams and that. I was kind of living on them. Um, and they didn't really affect me too much. I could go to bed you know, at 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock whenever I sort of wanted to. But if I have them now, I st- I'll be up to like 3 o'clock in the morning. They're just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they affect yeah. me really bad now. Yeah, they hit your bodily function a whole kind of different when yeah, you're they uh, do. <laughs> past your prime. It's it's really strange. Yeah, I, don't, I hope I'm not past my prime at 26, surely. Well, no, no, but I, I would like to call prime late teens. Like that's that's when you're the most active, more than likely, and yeah, looking, stuff like that. Looking back at me at 18, uh, man, I hope that wasn't my prime. Hopefully, that's uh, that's still coming. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I was I was doing I was doing a shit ton of sport, you know, related stuff back then. More active in uh, physical activity, and I was thinner back then. So, you know, thin as a whip. I, I, you I doing doing backflips and just really enjoying life, or <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, doing backflips. That's yeah. that's what I like to do. Yeah. I've known you for a while. You were never doing backflips. I know. No, no. no. <laughs> I was I playing a good game of badminton. Yeah, you were. You're good at badminton. You were, you absolutely smashed that shuttlecock. Into the ground. Oh, yeah. You're good at that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I tried going for the trick shots. I didn't have quite the, the smashing arm you did. So, you know, I tried to be a bit sneaky, but uh, no, it didn't really work most of the time. I, I actually love badminton. I miss badminton. I reckon we should try and get back into it. I don't know where or how, but. Yeah. I think the only place nowadays is Mount Gambia, mm. which not, is like really yeah. unfortunate because the local club went down. Yeah. I'm not going all the way to Mount Gambia for. Badminton, that's a no, no. Th- 30 minute drive, 50 Ks roughly, you know. Yeah, and then you have to drive back. It's kind of annoying. Yeah, maybe they'll make a Mario uh, badminton instead of the another Mario tennis and we can sort of take it up there. Maybe that's what <laughs> we can do. <laughs> we can relive those days. And then we'll go, go buy Oculus Rifts and find a badminton game. Oh, my there God. Go. Yeah, I mean, you really need the feedback, though, for like those racket games. I know Wii Sports, you know, it, it gets away with it. You've got no legs and you've got little ball hands. <laughs> but really capturing that uh, impact of the shuttlecock is uh, pretty important, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I will, definitely. <laughs> you know, 
That, that that was the whole technique is you had to have a good a good swing in your wrist but also at the same time a good swing in your arm mm. so you would have to bring your arm down and then also flick your wrist uh, wrist back uh downwards uh, you'd have to keep your wrist back while you were swinging your arm and then flick it downwards as you were making the overpass and that's how you got a good hit yeah yeah, yeah. this this is actually taking me back a bit um i remember red rooster was in town at the time mm-hmm. and we'll usually go and get like a large combo at Red Rooster <laughs> go to badminton just like full of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We would still pull it off though. Man. I don't think I'd be able to do that these days. I'd have to eat after badminton. No mm. way. I'm really thinking about year 10 at school now. So like energy drinks, Red Rooster, badminton and a Smash Bros brawl. <laughs> was pretty yeah. much what, was, uh, yeah. what, what kept me going through school. And you pull, and you pull, pour three brawl discs. Oh yeah, three. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's all the GameCube controller's fault, by the way. If I didn't use, if I just was like a a pleb and using like the Virtual Console controller, I probably would have been okay. But all three times, the first the first time was completely my fault. I liked the look of the Wii standing up, so I had the Wii standing up with a wide controller, and I gave it a bit of a yank, and it fell over. That was just that was dumb. Um, it left a really bad imprint in the disc, so it couldn't be fixed or whatever, and. Uh, the second, the second time we got replaced, so we had we had a tournament at school, and someone actually ran through the wire and just pulled the Wii off of the the table. <laughs> and you lost your SD card. And too. I lost my SD card. It bounced out somewhere. It absolutely ruined the disc. And uh, <laughs> Jesus, but, yeah, because oh, like obviously, um, no matter what console or what disc that was, it, it's it's not going to live it. But especially those broad discs, being the double laid um, DVDs, just they scratch so easy. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good well, game, at least I still got a copy because I remember I bought like one of the last copies before they sort of like got rid of all Wii games, and like it yeah. was—I forgot how much it was the last time I bought it. It was like still like forty to fifty dollars. Like um, <laughs> that, that game just never dropped in price. I actually think my copy of Brawl's still in my Wii. Oh, is it? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I still remember that time that it was like, oh yeah, I'll plug in the Wii because I was gonna, I was gonna let a bomb it so I could uh, get some virtual console games on it. Since you know you can't do that anymore, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I wanted to set it up at Mum's for Evie and uh, the grandparents and whatever. So, um, and then I remember I um I, I was like, oh, Brawl's still in it, and then I took that video of me like selecting it and then turning the camera back around on me as it made the fucking. <laughs> Yeah, that, like, that sound was always just like, you know, someone might have been watching a movie on the TV and it's a bit quiet, so I turn it up. Then we come <laughs> we come along to play uh, Smash Bros and just... It's like, holy shit, just like, it wakes you up. It just gets you in the mood, doesn't it? Just gets the heart, <laughs> the heart racing. Like, holy shit, it's, uh, it's time to go. Oh, Brawl was beautiful. It was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like at the time, we couldn't believe that there was so many complaints about it, but... Um, looking back on it, it's like, yeah, fair enough. But that game was so much fun. We we absolutely loved that game. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, Wart, warts and all. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, like like it had warts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, your grandma probably has warts, but you know, you still they love it. Pus- they got a bit pussy at times, kind of. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, so, Bryce, uh, you've been playing some uh, Ninjala over the last week, and I haven't touched it at all. And I'm pretty keen to hear what you have to say about it. So, guess, yeah. Um, well, I, I don't think either of us touched the uh, open betas. No, no. Like that all. Um, 
so uh, I, d- I decided to give it a crack because it came out and I'm like, well, we should probably talk this on the podcast. I said to you, I'm like, yeah, get a match in or two, you know, so you've got your thoughts. But you didn't do that because you were busy with something we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I played a couple matches and it was okay. It kind of like embodies that uh, Splatoon vibe, but free to play. Yeah. Yep. Um, I really like the concept of it. <laughs> But it does have a serious problem in uh, spaghetti code, I think, and it's really holding the game back, like something shocking. Okay, so that, that's I heard from the beta that it was just so hard to get on. A lot of people just downloaded it and just got error codes straight away. So um, does it still have some of those problems where you just weren't able to get in fast enough or at all? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, by spaghetti code, I suppose what I mean is that when you actually got into a match and you were playing the game, like mm. you couldn't find a find a match that was just responsive, right? So yeah, fair bit of so lag like you, and stuff. Or you would you would jump onto people, you would smack the buttons and all that shit, and you'd feel like you're doing something, but you're really doing jack shit. And like, <laughs> right, you know, um, and then there were times where the lag was like, God, this is clunky, and because of the way the game's net coded, which you can very clearly tell, um. It doesn't do anything unless the server registers it. So it can make the gameplay feel really blocky. I feel like it'd be really good in LAN where like none of those issues exist, but online I feel it's just really messy. Mm. Um, It's it's fun and I really like the concept, but to be honest... I really think that they could have set it back a while, maybe done some more work to it and not made it feel so reliant on connection. It's like playing, you know, Smash Online or something with two people who are, you know, behind three walls of a router. Right. And then, <laughs> that's, like... That's no fun. <laughs> no, you know, and trying to play Smash like that on Switch, that's fucking terrible and it's annoying and, like, that's exactly what it feels like and you're kind of just like, eh, when you look at games like Splatoon, which is essentially the same thing, it's small arena battle type game, you know, you, you do your thing. Um, you, you would think that because Splatoon exists and it pulls it off pretty well from, you know, most people's testaments, that uh, this would be okay too, but it actually suffers a lot of problems and it's really unfortunate. So did you get any sort of enjoyment out of it or Oh yeah, for sure. Like it, it is it is it is fun and like the the different weapon varieties and the abilities that come with them and stuff like that. It's definitely fun. But um because of that net code, it's something that if you play a lot of online games and especially games that are small arena based type of deals, even if it's just like um what can I compare it to? Chivalry, maybe? Mm-hmm. Something along the lines of that, you know, where it's just like a bunch of people running around with swords and axes, like hacking at each other. Like it's it, it feels better if it's more client based reliant than it is, you know, taking the data sent to the server ticks because that just kind of like I get it that it makes it a little bit more accurate as to what damage and stuff is actually going out to people. Yeah. But by response it also makes it very, very clunky to play. Mm. And I feel like they made this based on the, um, probably the prospect that most people will get into a server that's, you know, within their region 
Uh, they will be playing against people that are within their region and therefore won't have lag problems. But um, from what I can, un- well, from what I could see, the few the few hours that I played, uh, the real issue is that um, that's not the case, and you'll often find yourself, you know, stranded in another server where the lag issues are consistent, um, or you'll get connected. Um, to a couple of players who just, you know, the connection is obviously fucking terrible and you're trying to fight them and it doesn't work. And yeah, it, it, it's just a little bit messy overall. Like, I, I love it. I love the concept. But if they don't fix that, then that to me sort of just says uh, this is unplayable. Yeah, that's a shame. Hopefully it can be fixed over time. Um, but... What I am curious about, I've actually forgotten because it's been a while since that was shown at the Direct. What are the sort of game modes and what is the game? Because to be honest, I've forgotten since uh, it was shown a fair while ago. Well, when I was playing, it was only um, a free-for-all. Yeah, so just the one game mode type of thing? Yeah, from what I can tell, yep. at least at the moment, at least at the time I played it, it was, which was launch day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a free-for-all brawl. And yeah, I had some fun with it, but. Um. Yeah, I, I guess I guess it's just sort of disappointing that it relies on the netcode so heavy, he- heavily, but the netcode is like spaghetti, and that's kind of infuriating. The monetization is pretty much what you expect for any free games these days. It has uh, a shop, and then it has a gacha, and then it has a battle pass, and you can you know just surf the battle passes for rewards if you want. And yeah, that's that's not overall a bad thing. I feel like. You know, if you put a game out there for free, it's perfectly fine to have those those things in it for monetization reasons. But mm. you know, I don't. I, I'm a bit worried that it won't that it won't survive because they won't address these issues quick enough. Yeah, just from what I'm hearing around the place, it sounds like a lot of people do have those issues with it, and uh, especially the people jumping in there early and just never touching it again because of those reasons, that could be a pretty pretty big nail in the coffin for this game. So hopefully they do come out and do grab people again with updates and I'm yet to play it, so I'll give it a go and hopefully those problems are gone because, yeah, if people don't get in there and get those battle passes and get those um, microtransactions or whatever, you know, the game's going to die so quickly. So Oh, yeah, yeah, for mm. sure. Yeah, you, they need that money to do content updates and stuff, but, you know, God knows whether it's going to come to other platforms as well. Yeah. Um, if it does come to other platforms, like you might see a bit more of a a, a care towards it, mm, yeah, but because it's yeah. because it's sort of stranded on a uh, switch at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's going to be real hard for just just um, a free to play game exclusively on Switch. That's going to be a really tough sell. Look, you know, they're going to have to get a a pretty decent audience exclusive to Nintendo to actually make it work for them. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is why yeah. you don't see a lot doing it. So it's a pretty big, pretty big risk. They're probably, I'd, I'd assume, maybe they're really banking on the uh, Splatoon audience. Be like, all right, this looks like Splatoon. It's like you know, it's a. I guess it's it's not really similar at all, but I guess you know, you're, it's a, it's team based at least. So you're doing that. So maybe they're thinking, oh, there's no content in Splatoon at the moment. So let's jump into Ninjala. It has perfect, perfectly like. Uh, similar prospects to Splatoon, you know, different weapons have different abilities and yeah, yeah. then you, ju- you just get into a brawl or whatever it may be. But instead of about, about painting the board, it's about 
killing as many as you can mm. and uh, killing some of those bots and stuff like that. And like, it's it's fine. Uh, the concept is very much like Splatoon in in that prospect, I guess, is it's quick quick skirmishes against people that you know you want to jump in and play. But as an online only game, and Splat- and Splatoon very much uh, faces the same issues at times, but on a lesser extent because it's you know a fully fledged game from Nintendo that people latched onto. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. You kind of have to if it's going to be online only for the most part you really have to put the hard yards in because, I mean, that was the main draw to Splatoon was that it was uh, primarily online. Um, the single player was very much a side piece and uh, if the online wasn't good, then the game wouldn't sell. Mm. Uh, and yeah, this is free to play, but nobody's going to play a broken free to play game Uh you're on a if if you're looking for something like Splatoon, this is like Splatoon. But if you're looking for something like Splatoon, you more than likely already own Splatoon too. <laughs> so, you know, you're probably just better off going back to Splatoon too. Yeah, the community's still still there, going strong with the game. So there's no there's no point necessarily if you're just looking for something just like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hmm. So I guess. Uh, for, for me, I haven't been really been playing my Switch at all. I've been pretty busy with work and that. So I've been putting my time into The Last of Us Part 2, which is obviously not a Nintendo Switch game. But um, I guess I'm, I'm really enjoying the game. And to start off with, I was actually kind of dreading jumping into it. Um, but I found myself really, really enjoying the gameplay and all that. And I think that's one of the, the biggest... Uh, compliments I can give the game that I was really actually dreading it just for how dire it, it, um, the story is just about um, mainly being about hate. That was the main theme of it. And I'm like, oh, I really don't need this type of game right now with like, you know, coming home after work and just diving into a game just about hating stuff and killing <laughs> killing people. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't know. But there's playing through the game. There's a lot of just beautiful things in it and just actually like doing the combat and the loop that like you know you're going around gathering materials to get ammo to do up your guns and that and the actual stealth mechanics and everything is just there's so much fun and I've never really enjoyed a stealth game before and this is I can see myself like going back through this to actually get the trophies and everything I'm really enjoying it and apart from um, the, apart from the story too which is really good but that's what that's what I'll say on it because yeah we're not on a PlayStation podcast but yeah okay but I mean I'm gonna ask questions anyway yeah, yeah go for it um. General, uh, the general criticisms of the game, do you think they're warranted? Well, the thing is, a lot of the uh, criticisms are about um, aspects of the story, and I haven't finished the game yet. I'm only at 11 hours or so, so I'm probably like a little bit less than halfway. So I mm-hmm. don't know yet. I know that one of them, I know one of them, and to be honest, no, not for that one, but I haven't finished the game yet, so I don't know. Right, um, okay. Yeah, so I, I can't answer you on that one. Um, but just... Talking about just story in general, I'm not going to talk about the story at all, but I am a little bit disappointed in some um, podcasts I was listening to. I listened to one really, really big one that I usually listen to, and they talked about the game for about an hour or so in a spoiler-free review discussion, and they talked about it really really well um, and with no spoilers whatsoever. I came out of it. Um, but if, a few other ones I listened to, they said, oh, no spoilers, but um, basically this is what happens here and this is how the ending sort of plays out. I'm like, that is not spoiler free. So that really annoyed me. I'm not going to put any names out there, but 
yeah, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> Be careful if you're you are looking to play this game. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's what people wanted it for was a follow up to the original story. I, mm. I, all I really know about the game is that it's its story is far too derivative from why the first one was famous in the first place. Yeah, and I think uh, that that annoys a lot of people, and I can understand that because so far for I mean, me, so far for me, it's not like that. But yeah, like I said, I'm only like halfway. So because I'll be honest, like I haven't finished the first one, as you know, a fair few people would know. But I did. I I'm not saying I didn't play it because I definitely played some of it. I played about five hours of it, but the the gameplay really was just lost on me. It was just another stealth zombie militia game that like was huge during that era a la dead island and all that stuff like i'd had enough of them at that point um, yeah for, for me it's just like the story really drew me through it the first one I, and the game yeah, and i mean the gameplay was fun and now with the second one the gameplay is like really polished and just i'm finding it a lot more fun anyway and i mean you know the, the first one did capture me for the first 30 minutes like to a point where i'm like oh i could really go through this game because that was like you know if anybody knows the opening to the first game, that that shit was sad, mm. and you know brought a tear to my eye. But like at the same time, I was just like, if you if you're gonna sell me a story, I need to have something to be intrigued to play through to get to that part. And I was getting really really frustrated with the game, not because I wasn't any good at it, but because it was just a lot of the same shit over and over again, which is why I never ended up finishing it. Yeah, there were a fa- um, there were a fair bit. Fair bit of places like oh no Ellie can't swim here so you've got to um, bring over a crate so she can float over and stuff like that. There, there were like a few um, reused mechanics to the point where the game actually broke the fourth wall and said well they actually acknowledged it. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what the uh, the developers took towards the end like holy shit we're actually using this a fair bit maybe we should just give a nod to it just a bit of a ha ha. <laughs> but and and you know like the the fact that the harder the harder the difficulty is only sort of uh, determined by how how well you play stealth games. Because, like, as as most people may have mentioned, the harder difficulty you played in the first game, it was basically like when you got up to the max difficulty, if you didn't stealth and stealth kill everything, you would you would die stupidly fast. So it was sort of like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know? Or yeah. play an Assassin's Creed game if I want to stealth or some bullshit like that. Not that I'm a big fan of those games, but oh, at the same time. No way. Play The Last of Us over Assassin's Creed. What are you fucking doing, Bros? <laughs> uh, look. No way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I, For the story, maybe. For the story, maybe. But for the gameplay, like I'm not, I'm not, playing, I'm not playing that game for the gameplay. I'd like that's what, that's what took me out of it. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Um, so yeah, that's all I've got to say on that. But um, mm-hmm. let's talk about Min Min. So we got to play a little bit of. Well, you got to play a lot of Min Min. I've only like played like three matches. I I've been putting my time into The Last of Us, basically three hours a night type of thing. <laughs> that's what I can sort of manage to raggle up. So mm-hmm. I've only just like this morning. I'm like, oh shit! I've actually got to play Min Min for the podcast <laughs> later today. So I've actually bought the pass this morning. Um. Had it downloaded during the day when I got home, picked up my Switch and actually had a, f- a couple of matches. So I'm not, this is my very first impressions. I'm not like really in depth with all the mechanics and everything. Bryce, I'm not sure how well um, 
you've gotten to play Min Min, but yeah, like, no, I've it, played a decent amount. Yeah. So you said you've played a fair bit online and everything, and you're like you're just poning noobs. You're just like really getting in there, doing it really well. Um, so I guess uh, we'll start off with you. What what do you think of Min Min as a character? Uh, well, so um, she's a good addition. Uh, it's definitely unique to the roster in a lot of ways, but in some ways it does feel like they kind of modeled her around the MO of uh, little Mac in that, you know, if, if you're not on the ground, chances are you're probably not hitting anything with effectiveness. Mm. Um, hitting anything midair with your punches is kind of irritating because of the way that the trajectory is on them and stuff like that. Uh, she has some good ledge guard. Um, something that really puts me off, uh, her at times is how different her recovery works, um, depending on whether, you know, you're midair or whatever it may be. Um, I find it really, you're supposed to be able to grapple onto ledges, but at times it feels like it doesn't work correctly. Mm, all right. And then like, and then like her up B off ground, you know, is entirely different from the original point. So it's sort of like mm, a little bit strange, but the fact that you're controlling punches with A and B is neat, and it's definitely something entirely unique to her in being able to use two different arms to punch, um, being able to switch around them, um, getting different effects off them and stuff like that, and being able to control their trajectory is great, and it's good for off stage and stuff like that, just in general. Um, but um. Overall, I think she's pretty solid, and like the matches that I've played of her online and just against bots and stuff like that, I think she could be a pretty good pick. Um, but she's not breaking boundaries. Yeah, uh, like she she definitely has some. It, it's very much, it's very much a case of like Simon Richter vibes, of like keep keep your ass away from me. I'm just gonna keep punching. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to try and keep my distance as much as possible, but she's not as ineffective as they are probably either. She yeah. feels she feels a bit stronger up closer than what those two uh, those two do. But her problem is is that she's I guess I guess she's kind of a middle ground. Like Sac- uh, Sakurai made a very good uh, tried to make the point that it was like you know if you if you're close to the enemies you're playing min min wrong. And I don't, I don't think that's entirely true. Like I, I feel that way about Richter and Simon, I guess, because yeah, because you literally can't do that much to them. Like you'll throw your, <laughs> you, you'll throw your like your axe over them <laughs> if you're too yeah, close. Exactly. Like that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like your axe, you cross. Like your holy water might be some use, but like mm. there's just a lot of stuff that they do better at ranged, and their whip complements that. Uh, but with Min Min, you've got a lot of up close moves as well that do just just as effective damage. Yeah, um, yeah, those up close moves. That, that's one of the things I noticed. Like, um, I might only be, I might be close, but I might be enough to like where a punch would be useful. But it does a kick, and the kick misses because I'm not that close to them. I'm, and it mm. makes me sort of think like, why am I kicking when I'm still like not that? I'm not that close to them. It's, it kind of takes away. Um, the main gimmick of it, I feel like, of actually being able to do like an extending punch. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it's that sort of threw me off a bit. It didn't 
the uh, recovery didn't really throw me off when you just like, if you're below the stage, it just like grabs on. Or if you're above the stage, you just do a big jump. That didn't really throw me off. But um, the, the kicking and the punching is what sort of threw me off just being able to, um, when you think you're about to hit them, but then you just do like a little kick. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah. Like, oh, it's a bit underwhelming. Um, but yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed it just in the three matches I played. Uh, I guess like doing the second punch. So if you like punch with the, a button then you go to the b it's not as responsive as i would like it doesn't do it straight away it's like there's, there yeah. is like a decent amount of time between them and mm-hmm. i feel like in the actual arms game itself i might be wrong it's been a few years since i played it but you could actually go like one two instead of like one two if you know what i mean you could do like yeah, that second right. punch a lot easier you could do it like a microsecond after the punch and whether that's a good idea whether you're doing that or not is to be seen depending on what your enemy's going to do. They might just like snag one in, <laughs> in between those two and like grab you or something. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I just, I wish that second punch came off a little bit sooner. So you could uh, m- maybe get two punches in before you do a smash and knock them off the stage. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy her um, down a, just like that slide. A lot of characters have that, um, but it is good just to sort of like, give them a quick knock, then you might knock them back a bit. Then you can use one of your arms to uh, do a smash attack or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, th- I think, I think her best redeemable quality is um, the, the shulk effect of having like a uh, smash and buster essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So you've, you've got a, you've got an arm that, that does decent damage in a decent area of effect. And then you've got one that does decent damage because it's got a bit of a laser added to it. And then you've got, one that's literally just meant for smashing like 90% of the time. That's, and that's like, my favorite one. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah the hardball. I, I can't even rem- remember exactly what that arm is called. But, um, I just call it the wrecking ball, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm no professional I mean, uh, min-min yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, um, I really like that. And I like the fact that like charging your second arm is no different to actually using a smash attack. And I think that's mm. really cool. Um she definitely has a lot of utility when it when it comes to stuff like that. Maybe not as effective as somebody like Shulk, who literally has five, five or six things that you can abuse. But like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just being able to identify, you know, there are about sixty percent wrecking ball is going to be most effective from now on, or you know, whatever it may be, is good. And um, their their power in general, I feel, is relatively balanced. It's not too harsh. It's not like um, I'd like to say uh, the character I'm thinking of that just has something that's really strong right up front. I can't remember who it is. Right up front, like um, DDD's hammer or something. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, about? Ma- something strong? maybe. Yeah, maybe something similar. Something that can kill at like forty percent because there's a few moves like that in the game. Mm. Um. But you know, it, it's not it's not as strong as that. But it feels like a, as much punch comes out of it, mm. um, non pun intended. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, so I think in general, uh, it does it does pull off that sort of weighty. Uh, this is a huge punch type of deal, and being able to like angle that just off stage as well uh, can be really useful for ledge guarding and stuff if you catch people off guard. Mm. Um, yeah, I haven't been able once again in the three matches I've played, which is like literally nothing. Um, uh-huh. I wasn't able to sort of curve it down to do that. Um, was I missing something? Um, no, doing um, that? 
She only does it very lightly, especially with the, with the wrecking ball. Yeah. See, I was I was trying just with the uh, the dragon arm. Um, trying just. I feel like, like the dragon it. arm would probably do it better in the end. Like you, you know how you can power up that arm. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling like if you were to use that in that scenario, it would probably be a lot more effective because of the extended laser for one. Mm. Um, and it would stop a lot of those characters with really high recoveries so like Snake and K. Rule and, you know, wh- whatever that may be. Helicopter helicopter recoveries, I guess we'll call them. Yeah, so you don't uh, actually get hit by it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I feel like it'd be really effective for that, and it also covers a really long range. So, like, you know, you don't have to risk an offstage to keep people out of the game. Um, you can sort of just rely on that dragon arm, point it down at an angle where they're coming from and then sort of just let it loose. It knocks them back further. And then, you know, they've got no chance of getting back then. I feel like it's effective for that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> you still there? Indeed. Oh, you are. <laughs> it's been so quiet. Yeah. So it's hard because we can't actually see each other. We're not used to podcasting without seeing each other's beautiful face. No, we're, we're, the, we're the duo that have been doing this a bit more recently, but like I would like to say uh, we're on 147 now. So I'd like to say maybe about 137, 137 episodes have been recorded live, like in the same room. Yeah. Yeah, probably. It's a lot of episodes. It is. <laughs> Too many, uh, some would say. Damn. <laughs> um, but I haven't played the actual ARMS stage itself. Um, have you played on it? I just want, want to know what you think about it if you have played on it. Because no. I've just gone the final destination <laughs> stages straight away because that's what I do. But Yeah, I mean, so do I. Um, well, actually, these days I'm more of a Battlefield person oh. uh, because it just... Oh, something about it like some characters are just meant to have platforms you know but anyway um uh i haven't um and if if i have at all it's come through a battlefield rotation so it's not you know affecting me yeah too yeah. much I'm not, I'm not all that interested in that stage anyway it looked relatively eh mm. and a lot of a lot of stage selection these days especially in like the pro tournaments and stuff like that is what is the closest stage to Smashville we can pick? Yeah. Like that's 100% what it's down to most of the time is like, what is the closest thing to Smashville we can pick being the big fan favorite? Uh, so I never really care that much for, uh, you know, the, the little odd niche it is the original stages come from because, you know, 90% of the time we're, we're playing as a test of skill. Mm. And you know that that's just between us. Yeah. So pre- um, pretty much for us, they um, they just added a new theme for Final Destination and Battlefield. That's pretty much yeah. what this new stage is for us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah. it comes it comes with some music, which is nice. But in, apart from that, you know, and it's it, it's good having so much arms music in there because if there's anything oh, yeah, that yeah. absolutely kills for that game, it's definitely its soundtrack. Yeah, I really enjoyed just like when you like win a match. And Min Min's doing a celebration. It's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. So it's like, yeah. yeah. Like, I just I just love those vocals. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> all these DLC characters coming out with all these unique finishes and stuff like that. 
<laughs> then you look at the original cast and they've got nothing in comparison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does this uh, make you feel like going back and like trying arms again or playing arms again? Um, to, uh, I've thought about it and like I don't have my copy at the moment because I, uh, I I got rid of it a while ago. Not 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 because I hated the game or anything, but simply because I just wasn't playing it whatsoever. Um, and like I can always go on the buyback program and get it back for like the twenty four dollars or something I traded it in for. So oh yeah, I know that uh, games yeah yeah they do yeah because of their buyback program thing, which you know. That's fine. I'm I'm cool with that, and like I can do that at any time. So I want to re-add it back to my collection eventually, anyway, because I did enjoy the shit out of it. It was definitely a good game. It's just I couldn't keep up with all the, uh, like the following character releases and stuff like that. They did a really good job of like managing DLC for that game and having mm, free added stages and characters and stuff, and that was really cool. But I just didn't have the energy to keep up with all that in a game that I just found more fun as a party thing mm, yeah. i mean one of the last memories i have of arms was being in your stream and somebody uh raging at us for teaming up on him apparently oh yeah that was hilarious <laughs> and i'm like and i'm like listen buddy dude I'm just, anybody- I'm just throwing limbs around here i'm not teaming up on no one <laughs> I'm like, listen, buddy, if there's anybody in this game I want to knock out of the game, it's definitely not you. It's him. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I have competitive nature in fighting games with Drew. Yeah. I'm like, there is no way in hell that I'm aiming for you. You just happen to get caught in the crossfire. Yeah, we're just like, we don't. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the irony of it. We're just like actually going for each other. <laughs> yeah. This guy's just like, I'm going to stay in the middle and it locks on to the person in the middle, so I'm going to cop it all. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, oh, you're teaming up on me. Oh, that's so unfair. And it's like, bro, no. <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, just do a stream no where it's like, hey, come play arms with us. And we'll both beat the shit out of you. <laughs> we'll both just that's team you. That's what you get for standing in the middle of a square arena, you know? Yeah. It was, We're dancing around the corners, throwing long-range punches at each other. Yeah, because it was the it was the arena with all the cars, wasn't it? I remember, I actually remember it pretty yeah. well that match. And you were Twin Tail, and I was Ribbon Girl. I can't remember who they were playing. Um, uh, Cobra. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Kid Cobra. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. And they were like raging and like swearing in chat and shit <laughs> like that. And they must have only been young. And I think it was like. A reason just for them to get their swears off. Uh, yeah, I think I've still got add them added on Switch because when I was streaming, obviously you add people so then you can invite them to a match. I think I might still have them on there, or if I don't, it was I at least had them on for a long time because every now and again they'll they'll pop up. And I'm like, oh yeah, you yeah, were- it's a kid I beat up in. <laughs> yeah, he was that kid, Bryce, and I teamed and absolutely destroyed in arms, and, <laughs> and made uh, made us feel good about ourselves for the the rest of the week. Oh my god! And it was so they were so serious about it too. We're just trying to have fun. Like, <laughs> nope. We're just too, we're just two big boys playing arms. There was nothing more to it, really. But uh, I, I think the only time we've ever been non-competitive in fighting games is when we went to. Uh, oh no! It would have been two times. It would have been during that uh, <laughs> high school tournament. And it would have been Avcon one year. And then the rest of the time, we've only ever really versed each other. Oh, my God, dog, I told you to stay away. I was wondering what the hell that was. You just, like, <laughs> was, got your maraca out of something. That's what it sounded like. Go on, get. Oh, my God. You tell him to stay away for one minute. 
And I tell you, he doesn't. And he stays away for one minute, then he comes back. Yeah, yeah. Now he's going to sit here and you'll probably hear him nibbling on his balls. Go on. Whoa. Get. <laughs> so what he does is... Dog, no, go. Oh, my God. Dutch, get the hell out of here. Get out of the... Get out the... Chat, I don't know. <laughs> get out the chat. Yeah. No, it's all right. He's just going to lay on the floor there, and if I hear anything inconspicuous, he can leave. Yeah. <laughs> Silly dog. God, he's a big dog. Is he getting any bigger yeah. or what? Is he still growing? Uh, I'm sure he's stopped. Big German they shepherd. St- they stop growing when they're two, uh, oh, so really? he's still got some time. God. Um, but uh, we did manage to get him a like. Because he's sort of just been sleeping on the end of the end of the bed, um, for like for as, as long as time's gone. Because I don't trust bed. Like, what your oh, bed? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, and like you know, sometimes near the fire when the fire's on and stuff. It's not like the that. same size like, as like a a person. It's just like, it's yeah, like, a, it's like a person sleeping at the end of the bed. <laughs> I know, but it, it's it's kind of a case of like the reason we don't leave him outside is because you know. We don't have a cage or anything for him. We can't really have him have a cage for him at a rental. Mm. So it's sort of like, um, if if we leave him outside, then we leave him subject to like the occasional uh, problem that we've had in this town of people coming and snatching dogs for dog fights. And I don't really want that. So yeah, <laughs> you don't really want that. No, no. If you did so, want, if you did want that, you're probably entering in a dog competition yourself. Yeah, exactly. So then you yeah, can make the profit. But you haven't done that because you're a good human being. No, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he, he sleeps inside and we managed to actually come across a bed for him. And it was just sort of like, okay, uh, set that up, put him put him in a place in the corner. All right, cool. He's got his own bed and he still won't get off our bed. So it's been a constant hassle of being like, get off the bed, get on your bed. <laughs> and he's, uh, I'm surprised. I'm still surprised we managed to find a bed that fits him. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to get like an actual like single bed. <laughs> oh yeah, Mattress. pretty much. There yeah. you go, mate. Yeah. yeah, there you go, mate. Shoot in the corner. But now we found one of those um, strung up mesh beds, and like that's what I wanted for them originally, anyway, because they're probably the most comfortable thing for them to, mm. you know, position themselves in. Big square bed thing that they could just go boop like a trampoline. Yeah, I would. I would sleep on one of those things. I tell you what, they look pretty comfy. <laughs> well. Evie does. <laughs> <laughs> she she hopped on it the other day, put her two pillows on it and a blanket and just laid down on it and just decided to lay down in it. I'm like, okay, then. Yeah, it's well. a dog's bed, but all right, we'll yeah, go well. with it. Yeah, she can sleep in those beds if she wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think we both enjoy Min Min. Um, I'm keen to play a lot more matches with her in the future. And um, yeah, um, I haven't bought Vault Boy yet. Have you bought the Vault Boy skin for the Me Fighters? No, I haven't, and I don't think I will just yet. I think I'll probably just wait for like one of those little sales to come up, and I'll mm-hmm. yep. just purchase them all eventually. Yeah, I reckon I'll jump onto it when I remember. Pretty much when I'm in Smash, I'll go and download it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just sort of jumped on like before I went to work. I'm like, all right, I need to download this so I can actually at least say that I've controlled the character <laughs> before I record. Um, so yeah. before we before we move on from the topic, now that Min Min's out and we have the arms rep, what's next? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I really, really do not know. Uh, it'd be interesting to see whether they're actually using this to um, pimp out other Nintendo IP or are they 
um, still going to go to some third parties and get some interesting characters uh, from them. Yeah, I think they've definitely gone to third parties. Like, make no mistake, I feel like that as much as they sort of added in um, that was like all exciting and all encompassing, but, you know, there's there's six characters in this one because they had the five in the original and then Piranha Plant as the bonus. Yeah. So the six in this one, I don't. I feel like they will not all be Nintendo IPs. No way, no how. Um, you know. Yeah, I like. I would like to see it mixed up at least a little bit with, at least like two maybe surprise third party characters would be um, pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do think uh, now that we've got an actual Kingdom Hearts game coming to Switch, that Sora might have a bit more of a chance now. Yeah, that would be and as promotion. Yeah, it, I mean, it would be uh, like I've obviously and <laughs> talked yeah. about my displeasure for Kingdom Hearts three, but yeah, uh, you know that th- that was something that I played and enjoyed the shit out of like for years and years and years. So it was sort of like it'd be it'd be cool to see him there. Uh, seeing that that rhythm games actually coming to switches slightly telling. I feel like Square Enix are a little bit more comfortable with putting their their stuff out there now, especially especially with Kingdom Hearts. It's always had its own standalone titles on Nintendo platforms, so I yeah. think that could probably be in the list there. I mean, um, Kingdom Hearts 3, obviously it was on Xbox as well, so it's not just a, um, a PlayStation thing anymore, so... Yeah. I mean, it never really was. It always had mobile mobile spin-offs and yeah, yeah, yeah. Nintendo Nintendo spin-offs and stuff like that. But like the main series titles have only uh, been on PlayStation up until three, and then uh, it was put out on Xbox, and then the story so far was put out on Xbox as well. So now Xbox has access to all of them too. So it's sort of just yeah um, on, on Games Pass, nevertheless. Is it? Yeah, I think they came to Games Pass. Oh, I could be completely wrong, but I do think I saw. I that. know the Final Fan- I know the Final Fantasy games did. I know. I, I remember the Final Fantasy games being a huge deal because they're releasing a bunch of a bunch of Final Fantasy ma- uh, main titles, including Final Fantasy fourteen on Games Pass. Yep, I'll, I'll just do a quick search for it. Um, but yeah, I think I did see that. So if you have an Xbox, hopefully I'm not lying to you. <laughs> Well, I know that I know that at least two or three Final Fantasy titles are already on Game Pass, and I know that um, Phil Spencer said uh, fourteen is on its way this year. I think, which is the one everybody's been asking for, because obviously that's a big MMO with multi-platform capabilities, and it's been stuck on PlayStation and PC. And yeah, so know, want- Kingdom Hearts three is on Game Pass, and an oh, article right. an article from Polygon uh, Games Pass. June New Games Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 plus 2.5 Remix. So just buy that. Um, so it's not head- the story so far, but yeah. it's close. Yeah, pretty much. So you've got the, the two collections on Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, two of the three collections. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, yeah. What, what was the last collection? What game did that? What games did that include that weren't in these uh, two? 2.8. And 2.8 <laughs> had... Two movies plus uh, Aqua's okay, yeah, uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, Birth by Birth by Sleep, something or other. I can't remember exactly what it was called. Yeah, um, but it was it was the lead up to Kingdom Hearts three game. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. So I know that Square Enix is sort of really doubling down in in other properties, uh, in other 
consoles now rather than just PlayStation. I mean, they've sort of been doing it slowly for years, but now they're bringing all the retro stuff over. They're bringing all the Kingdom Hearts stuff over. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is getting a release on Switch, which is the first Kingdom Hearts to be released on a Nintendo home console Mm. um, and not a portable one. So that's that's a big deal. and I think I think probably in the end we'll probably see the story so far come to Switch. I don't think we'll I don't think we'll see three come to Switch, but I think we'll probably see uh, the most of or or at least one one point five two point five collection come to Switch eventually too. Yeah, that'd be really cool. It was a big outcry for it, so I don't see it. You know, I don't see them not. I don't see them passing up that money. Mm. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see like what other IP. Um, of characters might come. Whether like, even like if something like a new Pokemon or uh, something, even like Waluigi <laughs> makes it in from all like the the fan outcry. I think for the next couple of characters, I'll probably hold off doing that after all the backlash that they got for ARMS, despite the fact that Min Min is really good and fun and um, she's enjoyable to play. Uh, I think that people are still pretty miffed about it being an arms representative and not something big for the first one, considering Byleth was the last of the last one. Yeah, and like Byleth was like a lot of fun. He's one of my um, favorite DLC characters in the game, just with how fun oh. he is to play. So, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like, um, I think I think my top three out of those, uh, the the first the first six were easily um, Banjo, Terry, and Byleth. Mm. Um. Like, cause, cause I really want to love Joker and stuff like that, but I'm, I've fallen out of touch with the, the slender fast characters. I'm not as good with them anymore because my reflexes aren't as great. Um, yeah. And I, I'm sort of leaning more towards medium and heavy these days. Um, so they're probably, they, they fit right up my alley and they were all very well crafted characters and absolutely love them all. Um, but I think because because of Byleth and people's outrage about another Fire Emblem character coming, um, and then getting an Arms rep, and people were like, "Arms is a dead game," and I'm like, "Well, if you actually picked it up and played it, you probably enjoy it." Yeah, you know, yeah, just because it, just just because it's dead, like online, doesn't mean the character shouldn't be in the game. That's a, that's kind no. of a stupid thing to bring up. Like, you know, it's a Arms is a you know a pretty I was going to say prominent. It's not a prominent game on Switch, but I feel like it was an an important game on Switch just for the fact that it finally Nintendo brought a new IP, and that hasn't happened in a long time. That um, didn't happen since Splatoon One, and that was yeah, like a fair few years. Twenty fourteen, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah so it had, what- had been a fair few years, and even before then, um, it was Pikmin back in two thousand one on GameCube. So. Yeah, um, I think I think just seeing new IP from Nintendo was exciting in general. Yeah, so. dedication dedication to getting new IPs is fantastic, especially when it's you know something as as flavorful as Arms was. Mm. It was definitely a lot of fun, and you know there was a lot of customization, and just overall it was just really good. So you know, and it, if anything, it was a good party game, and it encapsulated what Sakurai wanted Smash Bros to be originally, which was a f- a fighting game that was a party game, mm. but people latched on to Smash and they were like, well, 
it's not a party game anymore. So yeah. it's like there, yeah. there's no fun to be had here, mate. This is no. serious business. Yeah. Super this Smash is the Brothers. Most, this is the most serious fighting game in the world. Like, yeah, this is just pure concentration and sweat. There's no Doritos. There's no uh, Coke. There's no Bundy um, to be seen. This is a very serious game for serious people like us, Bryce. <laughs> like us. Oh, yeah, we're very serious. Listen to us. God, goodness gracious. So I could not be uh, more serious than, than playing Super Smash Bros. That's uh, <laughs> when you go to work, don't worry about it. Just goof off, you know, pick your nose, just, uh, you know, get drunk, do what you got to do. But when you go home, you play Super Smash Bros. You make sure you uh, carve out two hours of each day to dedicate yourself to that game. That is a very serious game. Yeah, you take your work pants off and you put your man pants on and strap in for the biggest ride of your life. You've got to put those man pants on and... If you do not strap yourself in well enough, you are going to go flying out the window and you're going to regret ever sitting on that couch. <laughs> All right, Bryce. Exactly. Do you want to move into some news? Yeah, we'll, we'll cap off this news, shall we? Yeah, let's cap off all some news. Woohoo! Yeah! Is that all? I fight for my friends. My body still. So, Listen, I'm going to say every time, okay? <laughs> I don't, every time. Like, it's funny because if people actually listen like real close, you can like just hear you saying, I fight my, for my friends over Ike. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was funny because usually I see you do it. I just like chuckle to myself, but I kind of forgot about it because, since I can't see you. And I could just like hear it just over. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm going to do it every single time. And it's going to get to the point where I identify what the actual volume is. And I'm going to... Uh, Start doing it as loudly as possible. Oh, good. <laughs> so you can, so you can't hear Ike anymore, and it's just me. I mean, that's going to be really great for um, the editing of the show. That's going to be really great for the listeners listening, just listening to you scream into your microphone. Uh, it's well, going to be great for your family at the moment who uh, have to listen to you just uh, when you screaming. have when you have such an inspirational line like "I fight for my friends." You know, it has to be said with heart. Of course, and of course. Like Ike does not say it well enough. He says a bit. Yeah, it doesn't have much passion behind it, does he? He's like, "I fight for my friends." It's like Ike. Do you even have friends? Yeah, like, do you like, understand seriously. what friends are? Yeah, like you know. Do you know the concept of a friend? Like I know the concept. I know the concept of a friend very well. Let's you know, Bryce like, DeWitt quick. is a you know one of my best friends, and I would fight for him every day. We, we know Ike's demeanor in Smash Bros. He throws that big two-handed sword that he swings around with one hand in the ground and he, you know, is this very, you know, calm and collected but aggressive person. You can tell just by the demeanor oh. in his look. And then he says, I fight for my friends instead of, <laughs> I fight for my friends. You know, it's not enough. I guess, you know, Ike- Fire Emblem, it's turn-based, so you can be a bit more calm in battle. You don't have to... Be too aggressive. You're just like, yeah, you know, I'll take my time. I'll really, I'll really figure out the the weakness of this character, and I'll, you know, figure out my strategy. You're fighting for your friends. It's it's not too uh, too vigorous at all, you know. No, but I mean, like, it could have some heart. Like, you compare, yeah, you yeah, compare, definitely. you compare. I fight for my friends to, I fight for my friends, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get a whole lot more heart out of it, and it just becomes a more iconic line. Yes, and he just doesn't. He just doesn't do it. He doesn't, does he? No. No. Anyway, Bryce, um, that's not the news this week. So we're going to be going over uh, a general shareholders meeting and Q&A Nintendo had um, earlier uh, last week. So 
very exciting, but there was some um, actually pretty interesting news that came out of it. And I'm getting these dot points from uh, uh, Robert uh, Stephenson. Zon? Stephenson? Stephenson, uh, was it? It's with a Z. Um, so would you say Stephenson? <laughs> uh, I did have it. Hang on. I'm going to oh, say Robert Stephenson. And he's that. I mean, you you do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna find this name. Yeah. Okay. Because you've you've uh, put me onto it now, and I look. I really need to know because when you say stuff like that, it just makes me go, well, you know, I feel like I need to address that properly. Uh, Robert Stephenson. Uh, no, Stephenson. Robert Stephenson. Stephenson. Okay. Um, and they got it from. Uh, they got this info from Nintendan, and Nintendan was, I'm trying to remember, hang on, uh, Game Talk for almost 15 years, uh, work, go Nintendo, uh, Nintendo NWR Game Explain, uh, yeah. yeah, that stuff. Yeah so, so, yeah, so it was broken down really easy for us to go through the show. Yeah. Um, so we'll just go through it all, and as uh, a talking point comes up, we'll discuss it, which uh, mm-hmm. makes sense. So, uh, first of all, uh, Nintendo President uh, Farukawa apologizes for the lack of Nintendo Switch stock in recent months. Ever since the launch of Animal Crossing New Horizons, the global supply has been difficult to maintain. When there is high demand, increasing production may take uh, some time to resolve. So, not too much to say on that one. It's good that more stock is coming for Nintendo Switch. Um, it's something we don't really look into because we've had a Switch for three years. So, when it comes to... Yeah, exactly. Um, like, to be honest, earlier this year, I had no idea that uh, sort of the, s- the stock for Switch was um, so low until Buddy Watson's like, yeah, we were having really trouble getting him into JB Hi-Fi. I'm like, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, the, the only way I knew about it was um, a friend of mine was hunt- hunting for one oh, right, and yeah. could, could only get a light at the time, but he went and upgraded that light recently to a normal one. So, Oh, good yeah. boy. So he can hmm. play on his TV in beautiful... Uh, 920 or whatever it comes out to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he continues saying that Nintendo is ta- uh, ta- is uh, taking the Nintendo Switch stock issue very seriously and have already ramped up production, but say they don't have an immediate response beyond further studies of the market and demand forecasts. Uh, Farakawa adds uh, production sales and development operations has been affected by COVID-19. Production of units temporarily uh, creased in uh, creased in February due to its effect on the Chinese factories, but recovered shortly in March. Business operations should stabilize throughout the summer, which is uh, good to hear, obviously. Yeah. Uh, procurement of parts necessary for production was briefly an issue in May, but is currently recovering. Depending on the work, some Nintendo employees may need to return to working at the office, but they are uh, researching the best and flexible approaches, including rotating staff. Director and Senior Managing Executive uh, Officer uh, Sinyara Takahashi uh, says Nintendo has faced development delays due to COVID-19, but uh, it will not affect upcoming releases. In the future, if the pandemic continues, there could be delays in the future development and releases. Now, just on that... Um We've we've noticed this uh, with uh, the Min Min Smash Direct mm. uh, that um, you know they sent they sent Sakurai a bunch of equipment and stuff to do the uh, 
Min Min direct from home and saying that, you know, it's been a bit of a challenge and stuff like that, but they're finally figuring out a system. And this has been a, a big thing for something else I play, which is Final Fantasy XIV, um, because around the time that uh, COVID hit, they uh, there were maybe about, uh, I'd like to say probably about four weeks off putting out a new major patch, which is like, a big deal that's like when all the new content comes in and keeps people people engaged to play the game and stuff like that that's when you can and go I, that's where you can go to Domino's and get a nice deal for the game and like three pizzas is yeah that, exactly is that what it, that's yeah. that's the time of year it basically indicates yeah see that's how you get a good game out of uh, pizzas they, <laughs> I, they oh, I actually love that house like yeah you can get like 45 bucks you can get the new expansion the Final Fantasy 14 in f- oh, and the, like the full <laughs> game too like every expansion and the base game you get yourself a couple pizzas and yeah it's a really good deal it's it's a really good deal you I, save yourself would, like 70 yeah. bucks yeah I'd be all over it to be honest if it wasn't for a monthly subscription because I you know I'd like to dabble in it but I'm not going to pay monthly but anyway I mean continue yeah, anyway that, <laughs> and this like this sort of comes into the in, into the prospect as well of like you know, uh, obviously, because they don't have a solidified uh, work background for like outside of outside of the office and stuff like that, it's suffered a major delay. And like a lot of this content's been held back. Uh, I think it's two months total, which is which is a huge problem with the game. Like, um, they have a very tight schedule that they like to release content on, so that it sort of evens it out. So that like. The people that get in and play do it for about a month and a half and then they cut their subs and then wait until the next major patch sort of thing. Like those people that get in on the stuff really quickly, get it done, play the game. Um, because the the development team and especially the director, uh, Naoki Yoshida, which is uh, probably a second Sakurai in many ways, um, <laughs> He really cares. He really cares a lot about like player feedback and opinions and stuff like that. Um, but he also encourages that, you know, if you're burnt out with the game, then don't pay your monthly subscription until you're ready to play again. Like he actively encourages that, which is something that a lot of, um, you know, MMO directors and stuff like that they don't want to happen because, you know, it affects their cash flow, right? But yeah. he actively encourages that behavior because he doesn't want people to stop playing the game from getting burnt out too much, which yeah. is good. I mean, if, um, if if one person just like says, all right, I'm going to have a month's break and goes on to play the other 11 months because they had the break and they're that into it, that's better than saying, all right, I've been playing these three months when I should have been having a break and now I'm never going to play the game again. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The way, I, the way I like to look at it is that the way he's the way he talks about it is it's like, you pay $15 for your month uh, for a new content patch. You treat it as DLC. You're done with it for the month. You're like, all right, yep, I've had my fun with it. You can drop it and then come back the next month, pay another $15 for another month of extra content, and then you can drop it again, do it like that. So you basically just treat it as DLC rather than having like a constant 12-month subscription, mm. um, which, you know, that's good. Then that makes sense. And, you know, a major content patch comes out every three months. so. You know, you could only spend uh, every three and a half months. So it ends up being probably about $55 a year if you just do it that way, which is yeah. pretty good, yeah. you know. Um, and, yeah, his his major thing was that he released a live letter saying that a lot of the companies, including, you know, 
uh, Square Enix itself uh, don't have didn't have that backup. So it was really hard to sort of get everything put together and uh, get everything back at home. And you know, uh, with with a game that has a large development team like that uh, to make all the new content and stuff like that for on a three month cycle, um, you know, they don't have the resources for that. And uh, Square Enix weren't prepared to do it, so um, everything got delayed back a couple months until they could figure out like a perfect work at home plan. And it seems like. Uh, Nintendo really jumped on that ball really quick and got equipment to people as soon as possible. And um, that's a good thing because it's sort of cut down delays. But at the same time, you know, um, it's it's also probably quite a challenge. And hopefully that, um, you know, not working in the office isn't going to come at cost to uh, development quality, which was a major problem for, again, Final Fantasy fourteen because they want to make sure that it, the, the next patch that comes out, even though it's been delayed for another two months, that it comes out just as strong as the other content has because if if it doesn't, then they've then they've felt like they've failed, you know? So yeah. and it's that, really important. Yeah, for sure. And that's sort of why we don't know a lot of the upcoming games for <laughs> for the Switch this year just because they don't they might not know exactly when their products are going to be finished and they don't want to rush them to come out. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully they just look at it and take all the time they need to make the products, what they need to be, to be released instead of trying to meet deadlines and get it out before financial years and uh, just pleasing stockholders because, uh, if they put out a game and it's bad, well, it's a, not going to be it's going to be a well. flop yeah because yeah. like nintendo's success with the switch and all of its games have been because of the quality um yeah. just because you sure. can't like a lot of the games you're like oh breath of the wild you can't ignore that then it went on to mario odyssey and just like all the other games that have come out since so yeah for sure yeah um so uh goes on the say, uh director uh takahoshi uh goes on to say that jump rope challenge was created by nintendo developers during remote work and over 590 million jumps have been recorded by the time of the Q&A. So a lot of jumps. And we actually haven't talked about Jump Rope Challenge on the podcast before. I see, I saw that it came out. I'm like, oh, that looks uh, that's interesting. That developers sort of just worked on this little tiny project um, at home. And I guess it was because of the shortages for Ring Fit Adventure. A lot of people couldn't get that while they're at home to sort of keep active in that. So I think the idea was to have a bit of a, Interactive fun with uh, Nintendo Switch, just doing jump rope challenges. Do as many sure skips me, as I you really can. need to buy that now. <laughs> I ring well, fit. Well, that again, yeah. I'm actually intrigued about it now. Yeah, yeah. And it'll, it'll get you moving, getting that flex in that ring. Well, I, I mean, I think that's part of it. Is that you know, it it it'd be a good tool for me to get some exercise at home. But at the same time, like, just for it to be sold out as heavily as it did. It must have something going for it that people are only picking up on now. Yeah. I mean, that that rhythm game actually intrigued me a fair, a fair bit with the update where it was had like rhythm game for like Mario Odyssey mu- um, music, Splatoon 2 music. How they actually put that in there and you sort of like flex the ring to the to the beat. But that yeah. was pretty cool. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it's nothing like amazing, but it's just like a cool little addition just to, on top of what you already get. Yeah, for sure. Um, goes on to say, President Farakawa says that the cancellation of E3, there are no plans for large industry events for the time being, and Nintendo doesn't plan to make its own uh, large events. They will 
work to bring announcements and news in other ways for the time being. Nintendo believes Nintendo Directs are especially effective are an especially effective means of conveying new game content and announcements to fans. However, more effective means may come available in the future and they may consider um, what is the best way to bring new information to fans. So this Please is, don't change directs. It's <laughs> one of the biggest things he sort of um, said that um, they might be looking at other things other than directs to sort of get their marketing out there. And I guess when directs came about, it was very much an Awada way of presenting information to fans. It was very much like, all right, let's be personal. Let's um, share the stuff we're making. And when directs started off, they were, you know, they were kind of weird. They were Awada in front of a white wall saying like, hello. Looking at bananas. Yeah, like looking <laughs> at bananas and it's like, please look at this. When we look at it, we go, oh, very nice. Here's your money. <laughs> they, they sort of evolved with the uh, E3 sort of like robot chicken skits and then the, the Muppets the next year. And they became this really weird thing. And obviously with um, Awada's passing, uh, we saw a big a big gap in between. Obviously, Awada was the one who hosted those directs a lot of the time. And um, Nintendo America took over for the most part. And they did they did things with Reggie. They did things with um, other presenters in Treehouse. And then they what we've sort of seen lately is just trailers and just like a menu saying, all right, this is next. And then it's like, oh, it's... Uh, Link's Awakening, very cool. But now next, it's a free Kirby game and it's like very much moving away from presenters. And obviously, Farukawa, the president of Nintendo at the moment, he's not forward-facing um, at all. He's very much just doing the job he's meant to do and obviously, with how Nintendo's going financially, he's uh, surely doing something right, but he's not the personality that we knew with Iwata. I don't think anyone really could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe just with the times changing with different leadership, uh, maybe there is a better way to uh, do um, give us information about their upcoming games. And I was sort of thinking like what, you know, what type of thing could that be? And that could be anything from just demos on the eShop saying, hey, Paper Mario is coming out in two months. There's a demo here. Go and play it. And that will encourage Let's Plays, Twitch Dreams and all that before, um, before the actual game comes out. And that, that sounds very non-Nintendo because obviously a few years ago they were copyright claiming everything and all that and I'm not sure what the sort of circumstance of that is at the moment. So that might definitely not be what they're doing. But, you know, there very might well be other ways to do it. But I think any other company would kill to have the reaction to their marketing material that Nintendo does. Like if they say, there's a, if they say there's a direct tomorrow, everyone's like, that is the talk of the internet. At least on my, oh, yeah. at least on my internet, because my internet is video games. So it's like, oh, there's a Nintendo Direct tomorrow. There's speculation. There's the House of Mario. They're, they're talking about it. There's you know, there's other Nintendo podcasts they're talking about. There's YouTube videos. Everyone's watching them. And then it happens, and there's like a fair bit of hype or there's disappointment. Regardless, it makes a huge splash. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what could really work better for them than saying, here's a, a lot of games. You're probably going to get three you're really excited about and you might not care about the rest, but you're going to find something you're really looking forward to in the next four months. So, yeah, I don't know how they're going to beat that, but they they obviously are thinking about new ways of sharing information. Uh, I, th- I think it does really come down to the fact that they don't have those personalities anymore. Mm. Like, Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you know Reggie and uh, Awada and Miyamoto, and there's only one of them left. Mm. And it it was obviously a really big deal in general back in the day. But nowadays, 
you never hear anything about Doug. You never hear anything about Furukawa, like, at all. And they're, they're doing things correctly and they're running the company well and they're doing a good job. But it is it is a shame that we don't have that same level of community interaction that we had from those guys. And I think um, that's very important for Nintendo. And mm-hmm. I feel like they're sort of staying out of the spotlight because they're busy and they don't want to do it. And like it's too much on their plate. But I think it's probably time that maybe they consider if not if not them then someone else to do that job yeah it, it's weird too because i like early playstation 4 days uh, a lot of the success for that console was having like shuhei yoshida and adam boys like do the this is how you share games on playstation and they'll say here you go then like those personalities like sort of drove that and over time of the success of the PlayStation 4, a lot of those personalities faded into the background. You can see the marketing team didn't want any one person representing their brand. They just wanted the PlayStation brand to represent itself. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Nintendo's yeah. doing a similar thing. They're sort of like bringing their personalities back. Obviously, they've lost um, like two of them we just said. But they've like when we so watch uh, Nintendo Treehouse, we see a lot of um, really great personalities they could put to the forefront. There's like yeah, Aud- that's right, yeah. Audrey Drake, who used to work at IGN. She's great at hosting those uh, Treehouse Lives. Um, I forgot his uh, last name, but Jordan, he uh, hosted some of the Smash tournaments, the official Smash tournaments uh, Nintendo done at E3. There's some yeah great personalities they could like, hey, they could like put up as a host, but they just opt to, um, I guess, maybe try and make Nintendo brand speak for itself instead of having like a host. They just say, you know, Mario is uh, represents our brand, not this one person. Because I guess, yeah, the, I guess they did have. Um, I forgot his name now, but I follow him on Twitter. He was he was head of the uh, indie initiative at Nintendo America, and he would host the indie directs and all of that. But he moved to basically do the same job at Xbox. So I don't know if like circumstances like that sort of like say you know we can't rely on a person to be a, a personality of our brand. Maybe, but um. I mean, even looking at the current day and age, um, more pe- more and more people like uh, I'll be I'll be straight up. This generation, the start of the generation, absolutely suck nuts for Xbox, and everybody knows it. Everybody's completely aware of it. And Don Matrick is one hundred percent to blame for that for his very very shitty decisions. Uh, his he carried on his very shitty decisions, went to Zynga and sunk that too. So whoop de doo, Don Matrick sucks nuts. But Phil Spencer. <laughs> And everybody talks about Phil Spencer these days when it comes to Xbox. Everybody know who knows who Phil Spencer is. He's always at their major shows. He's the head of the Xbox part of Microsoft. Um, and he's doing a wicked job. And uh, he's very, very much respondent on Twitter and social media and stuff like that and likes to talk to people. Um, and uh, he's had great relationships with other companies' previous presidents. Uh, so even Reggie... As we know, um, he was very much in with Reggie, getting his games promoted, promoting their relationship with each other and doing stuff like that, and it was awesome. And, Mm. you know, Phil Spencer is very much going to become that person for Xbox, and it's doing a very good thing for them right now because Phil Spencer makes people talk. Yeah. I mean, like, 100% behind the scenes improved the track of Xbox One so much. It made it to the point where I, I bought one and looking at the Series X right now, I'm like, you know, I'm pretty confident I'm going to get one. And just 
the way that his sort of demeanor sort of like turned around just the, the perception of like the whole brand just being like, oh, yeah. even, even just like just how sort of nice and calm. He, even like if someone asks him a question about like, Hey, what do you think of the switch? He's like, Oh, it's great. It's a great piece of hardware. So like, what about the PlayStation? Yeah, it's great as well. It's like, what about the Xbox? Yeah, it's fantastic. And we're doing all these wonderful things to try and get you to buy one. <laughs> like he's very honest about it. Yeah. And that's what, um, that's what you need. And I like, um, sometimes I, I suppose some things would be hidden in the background a bit, but I feel like mm. that, um, Reggie and Awada were also very much the same kind of people. They were just on a straight up blunt yeah. and, um, you know, that that's what they did. And that was what was great about their marketing. And it's why Nintendo's took off so much as we all know. Um, and with Phil Spencer doing that for Xbox, like it will probably help really push Xbox through the next generation, having somebody that's still a figurehead there talking about it. Like even if you look at his Twitter, when uh, I'd like to say it was probably about four or five months ago now, he was um, talking about how his, his daily driver for his gaming now is a prototype Xbox Series X under his uh, TV. Mm. And he was just like, I can't wait to share this hardware with the world. It's going to be so awesome. Um, I really want to, you know, drive up our potential uh, and really make our brand shine again. Um, and I think this box that I've currently got under my TV as my daily gaming driver is uh, really going to do that work. Like he's really, you can feel it. You can feel it in the way he even just types things that he's got confidence and spunk. And if somebody says something remotely negative and then tags him in it. So for example, the recent um, mixer issues that come up before mixer was canned, which was um, so like a racism debacle in the company. Yeah. That um, was pretty ordinary. Yeah. And somebody, somebody, ta- somebody tagged him in it and he's just like, listen, we absolutely do not stand for this. And I, I would really like it if you contact me and we get in touch and we talk about this so you can better help me, uh, better help me understand. And, you know, just stuff like that. Um, it is a very, very, very good way to keep the attention of your audience. And, um, like, if you want the company to drive itself, that's nice. But, you know, that hasn't really worked as well in the past. That's mm. very much quite obvious. Like, games speak for themselves, sure, but... Um, they don't quite speak the same way that a personality does. Yeah. And, and like, that's, that's why, like, during E3, they would bring out Keanu Reeves for friggin' cyberpunk <laughs> and all that stuff, you know, just shit like that. Yeah. It's, it's a big deal. Yeah, because, like, we're, I know with PlayStation especially, I really missed them um, with their personalities being face-forwarding. Um, Forward-facing, sorry. <laughs> yeah, face-forwarding. I, face-forwarding. <laughs> I don't know what, what that means. Something a bit a bit saucy, actually. Um, yeah, but I, I really I really did miss that. And it, to be honest, like when the Switch came out, just with the Switch being um, easy to play on the couch and that and my girlfriend usually hogging the TV for Netflix, I sort of fell out of PlayStation and just probably a combination of that and just um, their marketing not grabbing me as much probably resulted in that. And I feel like you know the same could potentially happen with Nintendo. Not saying that I'm going to stop playing Nintendo games or not playing my Switch anymore, but just the... Uh, those pet personalities really do help. So as, as much as these companies think, oh, you know, let's just make the brand talk for itself, I think there's nothing more effective than probably a, 
a, a human touch that you can relate to that can really help. But we'll, we'll see in the future. We'll see if uh, it works out for them or if they do decide to push another personality. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, as as uh, gaming generations go on, I'm I'm pretty much a firm believer that like, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that are like, you know, consoles are what I do. I like consoles. Like, that's my thing. But the further as time goes on, these consoles are turning into PCs. And, you know, what, at what point does it stand where they aren't just actually going to be branded PCs? Um, and knowing the fact that the only um, news that's ever spoken about PCs is from stuff like PC Gamer and all that stuff, all that stuff with the PC Game Show and whatever it may be, and it sort of just becomes much more of a blank slate because that's what mm. PC, that's, that's right. what PC gaming really, really struggles with. Yeah, that's, um, that's, 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 yeah, that's why a lot of people aren't into PC gaming just because the hype and the marketing isn't behind it's not it. There. Yeah, no. But like, if if you're a person who's like got multiple reasons to own a decent computer, so whether you're a content creator or whether you do a lot of video editing work or you do a lot of software work or you're even making games yourself, you most likely have a high-end PC on your budget, and it's one of the most inexpensive ways to play video games because PC games go really cheap for the most part. So it's sort of like you can pick up new releases for 20 to 30 bucks less than what they would be on a console mm. uh, on release. So it's, it's sort of just like how long with all these uh, replaceable hard drives and stuff like that that we're getting in the new console generation uh, that have their own proprietary SSDs and stuff like that that you can switch out. How long is it that they literally just become um, a PC that you can do multiple things on, like browse the internet more effectively? Or, um, I mean, they're already, they've already sort of moved a little bit in that direction, just being like, hey, you can watch all your Netflix and YouTube and do these things. I don't know if they need to become a like just browse the internet type. I know they have web browsers and that, but. But as they get more expensive is mm. is where I'm getting at, is as they get more expensive, they're going to approach that <laughs> price cost. You're just like, if if I'm paying $1,000 for my PlayStation 5, I at least need to pay my taxes on this thing because I can't afford a laptop to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay. as, as they get more expensive, where is the line going to be drawn? And like, if they're trying to phase out these consumer-friendly faces... How, how long is it going to be before these companies just end up like they have in PC gaming where everything's static mm. and, you know, these systems are over $1,000 because they expect you to pay that money because you'll do it for a cell phone. Um, and how long is it going to be before the price is that high and then the relative interest of addressing consumers becomes even lower that it becomes literally the same same point as PC where it's just like, oh, you'll just buy our shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a, after having this discussion, there is a fine line between becoming a boring company saying, hello, we are Nintendo. This is a Switch. You can play Mario and Zelda on it and some indie games. Goodbye. And then there's also like pushing the personalities out there that 
um, could result in like a, a subway situation, for example. Yeah, like we they're like get hyped <laughs> for this shit because this is about to wind up your friggin' nipples. I don't know, mm. you know, it's uh, it it will if they go go ahead with this kind of mentality, it's just going to go the exact same way PC went with the Gabe Newell, where he was sort of omnipresent when Steam come out. Um, and Valve was doing work on games and stuff like that. But nowadays, like, you never hear from the dude, like, ever. Yeah, he's too rich. He can't talk anymore. <laughs> he's paralyzed with uh, wealth. Too many burgers. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting there too with burgers. Oh, I'm Gabe. All right. So let's, uh, let's move on, Bryce. So they talk about some mobile games here. So Farukawa believes mobile games are an effective way to bring Nintendo's IP to new consumers and allows more Nintendo account signups, but, uh, but mobile gaming doesn't represent a significant part of its business, uh, while the Switch can play a vi- wide variety of Nintendo games. He continues saying that over the course of the past five years, Nintendo's relationship with DNA has deepened and the goals of connecting with a wider audience has gradually been realized. So, this was a, another one of the big uh, dot points that came out of this uh, sort of a shareholders meeting that they weren't happy with <laughs> how their mobile games were going, um, which was in in some ways interesting. That you know a lot of their games have been you know, pretty successful. They've um, made a, like a lot of money, but I think they just were expecting just like skyrocketing um, profit margins from it. But um, yeah, so what, what do you what do you think of this? Um. I'm pretty sure we talked about this last week, but it really just mm. comes down to that uh, what they tried with Run was unique and nice and everything, but $15 was a bit much for, of an asking price for that. Yeah. And then most of the things they've released since then are free. And like, I'm I'm sorry to say, guys and gals that have been working on those games for Nintendo, but you know you. You attach something that's as beloved as like Fire Emblem to a new, to a niche community to a mobile game, it's not going to attract as many people as you think because they don't know all these characters, they don't you know care to know them, whatever it may be. Whereas when you could, you know, be jumping into, uh, I, I guess I'll probably just use something like Azure Lane as a uh, as a concept for that. That was like. And it it still is. There's a hugely popular mobile game about uh, girls that are based off of US uh, off of naval ships, right? <laughs> now, yeah, all right, <laughs> okay. Just just hang on a second. I I want to I want to uh, address this in this in the sense that everybody knows what the fuck a naval ship is. All these all these ship girls are named after actual ships that existed mm-hmm. so they already have history behind them it's pretty easy to identify hey i wonder what that ship is it'll say like the queen elizabeth or something you great um you type in queen elizabeth ship and it will tell you the history of that ship or whatever and you're like oh cool whatever but you combine that with an aesthetic that everybody loves in gacha games so an anime theme mm-hmm. um and an easily identifiable thing where it's just like anybody can just fucking Google what that means without having to read a huge history and just being like, oh, so it was a ship that blew up in World War Two, right? Um, and it just 
it works better than having to go back through years and years of history of Nintendo games to understand who the fuck Eli Wood is in Fire Emblem and why his existence matters at all and why he's represented in this game as anything else. Right. Okay. Um, it's, it's not, you know, you get all that info logged in game um, on Azure Lane, as an example, again. Um, all that info is logged in-game somewhere under their profile or whatever it may be to give you a quick history rundown of the ship and what this character's based on. You're like, cool, all right? And then if you want to learn more, you go and Google it. But then, like, you'll get Eli Wood, for example, in Fire Emblem Heroes, and you're like, oh, I wonder what Eli Wood's significance was. And it's not as simple as just, like, Eli Wood was Roy's father and the playable character of sacred stones i can't remember exactly which one and um then he's got like then you've got this whole history of like what he did in his life and he's this fictional character it's just like eh, okay i'm not I'm not really a big fan of fire Emblem. i just pulled him and i just wanted to know who he was i guess um and i guess it's just not as important to some people and fire emblem being the ip it is it didn't really find its footing in popularity uh, in Western markets for a long time. Yeah. So I mean, Fire Emblem wasn't necessarily the problem. It was some of their other franchises that uh, underdelivered. You know, obviously we know Mario Run didn't do as well as they wanted to. Um, Animal Crossing was their second best, uh, I guess, their profit driver. But I, I don't think it was still where they wanted it to be. And Animal Crossing was interesting because you could play it um, pretty easily without doing any microtransactions. But when they did ask for microtransactions, it was a lot. So they kind of they got the balance there pretty wrong, I feel like, because it didn't really feel like Animal Crossing. It just felt like trying to grind up levels by doing certain things each day, talking to your, your villagers and um, doing certain tasks. And I didn't feel like Animal Crossing does on the actual consoles. Um, so I, I speak about I speak about Fire Emblem mainly because it's probably one of the best gateway entries to Fire Emblem. Like if you just want to get in there and yeah. sort of get in on it and stuff like that. And you'll know exactly what it's about. Whereas a lot of all of uh, Nintendo's other titles, so Mario Kart Tour or Animal Crossing Pocket Camp or fuck Dr. Mario World, <laughs> right? Yeah. All, all, those, all those titles, they've all been around for a very long time. Uh, anybody that actually gives a shit about them probably has a version of them somewhere that's free uh, because they already own it and they don't have to shove money out the ass to get more shit out of it. And Mario Kart Tour is a big one for that. It's like, I've, I've got Mario Kart on my mobile phone, but like how many people own a Switch now and how many own Mario Kart 8 Deluxe? So how many people are actually interested in spending money trying to get a peach with a slightly different dress? as a character in their Mario Kart tour in a game which is mostly just controlling itself. Definitely not me. No, who really gives a shit about that? Yeah. Whereas, like, Fire Emblem Heroes, I feel, was a gateway to Fire Emblem in general because it was a simplified version of Fire Emblem uh, featuring a bunch of characters you might be interested in. Um, but with the way Mario Kart is... How many units has Mario Kart 8 Deluxe sold? Well over 20 million at this point. Mm. Like everybody, everybody's, we just had a big tech buyout. They've all bought Switches. They've probably mostly all got Mario Kart as well. And it's got, fuck, how many characters in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe? 
Like over 30. I don't know. Um, apart from Yo- uh, Yoshi, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, there's that. There's all your carts. There's like all that shit. And it's all for the one single cost price. And it's a better game. So why on God's hell earth would you go and download Mario Kart Tour, yeah. spend $250 well, on Wedding Princess Peach, uh, and then... It's good value for money, get, though. It's good value for money. Try, for Trying to get her optimal car only to such find a nice out. Dress, such a nice dress, Bros. You can't undermine that. Listen, listen. She looks beautiful. Only, only to note the fact that... Stunning. You've also got to have her ulti- her, her, her proper wheels for her car. Oh, yeah, you got it. Her proper car, oh, yeah, her course. proper glider. Yeah. And then the problem with that is, is that in Mario Kart Tour, certain characters perform better on certain tracks by default. They literally make it so that if you don't roll for those characters, you are at a disadvantage. It is a terrible choice in game design. And it's not fun. It's pay to win. It's like downright dirty. And everybody identified it pretty much immediately. That's the reason it hasn't gone so well. If it was just cosmetic of like, you know, you roll for cosmetics and that does nice things like gives you the peach in the wedding dress. And that's all it does. It'd be like, okay, cool. I'm down with that. But because these characters are locked behind, um, a gacha and those characters get buffs for driving on certain tracks. A lot of people have identified it as a pay to win mobile game that is essentially scamming. Mm. Like, could you imagine that game without the gacha, uh, without the monthly uh, subscription, which is just ridiculous for a, a subscription for an, uh, a mobile Mario Kart. It's just, worst, it's, it's, just Mario Kart. it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just dumb. But could you imagine just like Mario Kart Tour is pretty much normal Mario Kart controls like it does, which is which is fine for um, a mobile game. It's fine. Um, but it had like a battle pass. So it's like whenever you want, every couple of months, it's like, oh, well, we're introducing uh, new wheels, new carts, a couple of new characters. You know, you grind out some coins, you'll be able to unlock them through the battle pass and there's a free battle pass. You know, just, just so many games have adopted it. It seems to work pretty well. It engages people with the game. Uh, gets revenue for the developers. It's, it's sort of like a win-win situation. I think it works out pretty well. I've got no problems with battle passes. And, you know, that could be really interesting for that game. New content every couple of months and it's a fun game and being able to play with your friends without, if you don't have your Switch or maybe maybe your friend doesn't even have a Switch and you just say, hey, just download Mario Kart Tour. It's free and um, you'll be able to play with the standard Shy Guy or something. I think that and could, battle- could have been fantastic, but... No, I mean, yeah, battle passes are usually 100% cosmetic as well. Mm. Like they're not, yeah. they're not anything that affects game balance. Whereas Mario Kart Tour is literally just asking you to spend money so you have an advantage, and it, nobody yeah. likes that at all. Yeah, because the idea is like, oh, I've I've got Mario, so I'm going to get an extra item slot in a Mario circuit. It's just ridiculous. It's like that's. Even if I had, even if you've like you've got the right character, it's just like this is dumb. <laughs> it, it's cheap. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah, and, like, and that's the reason it hasn't done well. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of the Nintendo games Nintendo's released on mobile, even as a Nintendo fan, it's just been okay. That's whatever. And I think the rest of the world sort of saw it as that. Probably a lot of people dabbled in it because of the love of the IP, and they dropped it pretty fast. I think. So. Yep. Absolutely. 
Yeah. What, what do you think about, say, for uh, say Nintendo Switch Online, you've got access to NES games and SNES games. Um, how do you feel about offering them basically to play on your phone with a controller or whatever? Um, maybe just like even original Nintendo games that were from virtual console on phone. Like instead of like original things where they're trying to get microtransactions, they could do like extend the subscription to phones to try and get more subscription revenue um, from people that might not even have a switch. No, I mean, I think that's a smart idea because a lot of people play emulators on their phones. Yeah. So, you know, it would just save, save the trouble. And if they make a de- half decent emulator that actually works properly with the games, then it would perform better mm. and people would be willing to sub to Nintendo online for that. Yeah, because it is like a chicken and egg thing because I think a lot of the uh, reason that hasn't happened yet is Nintendo's like, all right, we want people to buy a Switch. So when um, third-party games are purchased, we make a profit, obviously the profit from the system itself. And we want um, yeah, every reason to make people want to buy a Switch. But I think uh, giving, giving uh, I guess, reaching out the arm for people on mobile to play their games on on their phones won't necessarily make people not want to buy a switch. They might get a copy of um, super Mario bros three through their virtual console subscription. And like, Oh, this is actually pretty cool. Like, Oh, you know, I remember Mario from when I played it as a young adult and, you know, I never really played video games apart from that. And they'll look into it a bit more. Like there's probably ads in said app we're talking about and advertising switch. And that might actually grab some people that they never would have gotten through playing some rigged Mario Kart knock off <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so i reckon that could be a a good idea and i'd like to say that myself even as a nintendo fan you could see yourself like playing on your switch and enjoying it and then maybe you're at the doctor's office and you didn't bring your switch and you're like oh i'll just play some more mario bros 3 and that syncs back up with your switch and yeah i mean that's yeah. it's, it's kind of like a, a fantasy land thing we know what nintendo's like as far as online goes but I think that's definitely a way a lot of people would like to see them go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. So Miyamoto says development for Super Nintendo World is progressing smoothly. While the spread of COVID-19 caused uh, slow development, uh, equipment was able to be developed more carefully. Universal Studios Japan will decide on how to best open the park in consideration of patron safety. So... um. I guess uh, what we saw of like uh, the bit that is developed at the moment looks pretty cool just from the photos we've seen. Um, It's definitely a place I want to go when all is safe to travel and go in super crowded places again. Um, Mm -hmm. Looks like like it'll be a good time. Hopefully uh, it it keeps moving on. We need to to really plan a trip for Japan. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely something we need to do. it's, It's been on the cards for a while and we've always talked about it, but... Like, we actually need to do something about that and start putting away and actually go. Mm. That'll be good. One of the things, when I think about traveling, what I want to do really bad is just go for a nice walk in uh, in Kyoto, go to, like, a, you know, the blossoming trees and get a bite to eat, just check out the local scenery. Um, just go to Nintendo headquarters. Obviously, it's just a pretty bland building. You can't go in or even close to it. Like, obviously, nothing like that. But just get a photo in front of it. And just yeah. spend, spend a day in Kyoto and just chill out. Then, like, obviously, yeah. check out like Tokyo and not these other um, places. But yeah, that that is one thing. Like, when I think about traveling, um, Kyoto is definitely up there. Just, just with walking around and looking, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, and we'll have to sort of line it up with a uh, when Universal Studios has the Nintendo World all finished. Yeah. Uh, I agree. So this is a big one. They finally admitted to it. Uh, President Farukawa apologizes for the inconvenience caused by Joy-Con issues, uh, but says that due to an ongoing class action lawsuit in the United States, he will, re- will refrain from making any uh, comment or any specifics. So um, this is one of the first sort of acknowledgements <laughs> um, Nintendo sort of made towards it, apart from just like this little bit here and there. And I mean, we we all sort of know just like, how widespread this issue is and for some reason Bryce and I haven't experienced it with our launch Joy-Cons don't know how but that is how it is but a lot of people are just like have experiences with their Joy-Con drift and I I couldn't imagine how annoying it would be to have a Switch and not having a Pro Controller because Pro Controllers are expensive you don't want to have to go and buy a $120 controller just because uh, the controllers in the box didn't um don't work Operate. properly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully something gets figured out, but this is a massive issue, man. Like they need to, they need to get on top of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Farakara says the success of the Nintendo switch can be attributed to two elements, the release of Nintendo switch Lite, and that Nintendo can focus all development efforts on Nintendo switch and not two different systems concurrently. Uh, they want to extend its life cycle. So this this is one I think we've been saying since like six months before the Switch actually came out when it was just rumors. <laughs> um, just like the fact they can just concentrate on one console um, obviously pays off hugely. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they should have been doing it for years, honestly. It just uh, it yeah. shows in quality and quantity. Absolutely. And on top of that as well, you know, if if we do see a pro model down the line like they've done with the DSi or new 3DS line, um, they could push it further uh, and bring new releases to it. But when they do eventually come to announcing the next thing, I really, really, really hope that they don't move away from it and they stick with the general idea of the Switch and just make it better. Hmm. Um, and I think everybody agrees with that sentiment, what they've done uh, in terms of portability and even just party efforts uh, at home, being able to put it on your TV with no issues whatsoever, um, bringing it back to cartridge-based, uh, cartridge-based systems, which in my opinion is far superior anyway um, because they're less likely to suffer damage and whatever it may be. Um, and they preserve longer for the most part. Um, it really is quite the perfect little console in so many ways, and there's a reason why, you know, that's the one console I keep going back to no matter what, whereas most of my other releases I play on PC. Um, like a real gamer, you know? Well, no, not like a real gamer, but because <laughs> if I'm going to spend that money on a PC, I might as well be playing games on it, right? Yeah, yeah, And, definitely. like, I, I, I own all all major current consoles. Um, yeah, the Neo Geo is just like all the main ones, yeah. <laughs> but the PS <laughs> but the PS4 and the Xbox One have almost completely, totally fallen out of my cycle apart from like the two games I was waiting years for, which was uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake and Persona 5 Royal. Um, those were the last two major things I played. Uh, they came, around, came about around at the same time. Mm. Um, and that's that's the most activity that my consoles have gotten in the last 
I'd like to say probably since Red Dead Redemption 2. So over a year before yeah. that, about a year and four months maybe. So that's a long time. That's a really, really long time. Um, I've just completely fallen out of interest with them and the fact that I get my games cheaper on PC is just, yeah, it's better. <laughs> just for me anyway. Um, so because I've always been a console kid, like unwrapping that first Nintendo 64 I ever owned on Christmas, that was a big deal. Oh, whatever, it, whatever, Bross. We know back when you were a young kid, just, you you, just, un, you unwrapped your birthday present you're like oh thanks mum it's the latest graphics card from nvidia this is gonna <laughs> really turbocharge my pc setup i can't jesus. wait to really use my widescreen monitor with this bad boy wow jesus christ that's but what, my point that's what you're like <laughs> my point is that you know that that was a huge turning point in what i would find in a hobby in my life and um yeah yeah that that that's what it was but now as time goes on uh, I feel like, you know, and you will attribute to this because you on the uh, monthly had subscriptions pretty much for magazines yeah, coming yeah. to your post box and getting news from those magazines and stuff like that was just huge. But now we're in an era where that information is conveyed to us immediately and trailers are pretty much like straight out there with very easily accessible links and stuff like that. And we're all very quick to make judgments on games before they even come out because a lot of that material is out there. And I feel like that's affected how console gaming has gone for me in the last decade, probably. Mm. I feel like a little less motivated to... um. Just, I suppose, go out and preserve the life cycle of all these consoles that I have because I've had my time with them. And now that we're heading into the next generation, I have far less interest in going back. And I think that's why backwards compatibility is probably really important. And I'm glad that Xbox is doing it. So, mm, someone's yeah. got to, someone's got to, bro. Someone's got to keep up there, keep the past alive, you know? Well, it, it <laughs> you know, it, Hopefully PlayStation does the same thing because I haven't gone back and played Spider-Man and probably won't while the while the PS4 is the current console. Mm. <laughs> I haven't gone back and I haven't finished The Last of Us and I have no desire to. <laughs> I haven't gone back and uh, played Horizon Zero Dawn at all and that's now on PC. So mm. I'll just play it there. <laughs> it's It's really difficult to sort of keep it going, I guess. But with... Um, with Nintendo, they've they've not really ever faced that problem. Bloody hell, we we come a long way from uh, Switch is going well. I <laughs> know. Oh, <laughs> See, this is what happens. I drink coffee, and <laughs> just like yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Switch. Can... Um, actually, actually, PC uh, fuck consoles. Um, so moving on, uh, Director and Senior Executive Officer Co. Uh, uh, Sid Sido Shiodo. Shiodo. Fucking. Can't get it out of my mouth. I had it there. I'm like, she deodo. Yeah. Uh, she deodorant. She deodo. Am I saying that right? No, she odo. She odo. Okay. It's like it. soda. It's like soda, Shioda. but it's she. Yeah. She odo. Co she odo. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even say it when I when I know it. Uh, it says Nintendo focuses on fun experiences rather than technical power of the consoles. He adds the number of families playing together on Nintendo Switch. Uh, Refames the value of having a dedicated gaming console. So it, this set kind of sounds like a, a bit of a, 
like just saying to the shareholders, hey, we know PlayStation just showed off uh, their console, showing off some of its power and you know, talk with the Series X as well, but these are going to be powerful consoles. Sounds like a bit of a, hey, guys, it's going to be fine. We still make money off of uh, just family-friendly experiences. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Don't worry yeah. about it. Um, regarding network support, uh, Farakawa says uh, during major releases, servers become overloaded and customers may face communication delays or connection issues. They are constantly updating server forecasts to combat that issue and are taking it very seriously, which they should be because we are paying them to maintain those servers. Absolutely. And uh, giving us features that we uh, just don't seem to get yep. on Switch, which uh, believe it or not, you know how they said oh, after, after a year it's going paid. Here's the app. Enjoy. Like, oh, well, you know, they'll update it over time. No, they didn't. Absolutely no. did not happen. No. Um, as, Even, as, no. as cheap as it is, 30 bucks a year, what are they doing with that money? They're just pocketing <laughs> it. I don't see how they're putting it into their infrastructure, but no, whatever. That is a one thing on the Switch where I'm like, come on, guys. Fuck me. This is ridiculous. Yeah, pick, it pick it up. Yeah. Because like and- on Wii, I don't see what I'm getting over no, the Wii U online. Obviously, there's the virtual console, which uh, works out quite well if the if the games you want to play are on that service, which a fair few are missing from the SNES collection. But as far as the actual online goes itself, it's just like, hmm. all right. I hope you I hope you are taking it very seriously, because yeah, I don't see how you've been taking it that seriously to start off with. But. <laughs> and we're on to the last one. Uh, there are more uh, technical elements to the Q and A. Oh. Oh, this is just the, the end end wrap-up. Um, so if you actually do want to check out the actual um, Q&A breakdown itself, I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can check out the whole thing. We just sort of went over the dot points uh, Robert uh, left here on Twitter, which is very helpful. So thank you very much to him. You can uh, check him out at uh, Stephazon. 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 So yes, that's Steph, a, yeah, it's a PH. Yeah, that, gotcha. Yeah, that is at S-E-P-H-A-Z-O-N. Yep. And uh, it was actually Jamie Penning that put this in our Discord. We're like, oh, yeah. And that actually uh, put us onto thank this. You, so thank you very much, Jamie, for that uh, helpful tidbit. So it actually took way longer to go through than I thought it would. We're coming up to two hours, which is ridiculous. I thought we were going to talk for about 45 minutes because of your sort of uh, no sleep hangover. But yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry about Man, that, Bryce. Co- I'm sorry. The, the coffee kicked in at a weird time. Yeah. It did, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, this week, Bryce. Um, that's it. <laughs> We're at the end. Beautiful. So everybody, thank you very much for listening to The House of Mario, episode 147. If you'd like to follow the show, you can follow the show at The House of Mario and you can follow myself at iDruby. You can follow Bryce at Revan, and you can join the show's Discord community in the, the invite in the show notes. Um, and Bryce, we better touch on this as well. Um Episode 150 will be live streamed over on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash idruby. Uh, we don't have a day or a time lined up just yet. Um, Bryce, we need to talk about that, get a time in so we can tell everybody what time, um, I guess, to rock up. Australian Eastern, no, Australian Central Standard Time. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's not going to be a big thing, but it's just going to be like you can call into the show. You know, we, got, we've, we have the technology to do that now, which is exciting. So I'm looking forward to yeah. actually using that. And if uh, not expecting like a big turnout or anything, but if uh, some of our regulars could show up, that'd be really awesome. Um, <laughs> it'd be really cool. Um, but if no one shows up, we'll just do a normal show and it will be on Twitch, I guess, as a VOD. Absolutely. So yeah. there'll be no, no, no worries there. 
So, uh, this week's Nintendo Jukebox is by Dart Remix, and it's uh, a remix of Min Min's theme from ARMS. So, you can check that out um, on SoundCloud and uh, Spotify and all of the things in the show notes. So, Bryce, until next week, the doors to the house of Mario are closed. Catch you later. Bye-bye.